0: mary stood in the doorway the alabaster jar trembling in her hands she had never before held something so costly so extravagant her heart pounded and she closed her eyes and smelled deeply the scent of the perfume called nard sweet and pungent then she opened her eyes and looked at jesus seated there at the table She looked at his disciples. Some of them treated her as an equal, and some thought of her as an outsider and a a sinner, and she saw her brother, the miracle, back from the dead. She was afraid, very hesitant. Then she caught his eye, clear and bold, and she regained her composure. She remembered why she had done what she did, spent all that money on something so precious and yet so frivolous. She knew it was because of Jesus. So now was the time to do it in front of all these powerful people before he might go away as he had so often told them. She gathered all her courage and stepped forward. When she opened the lid to the jar The smell permeated the entire room and every eye turned to her. As she approached Jesus, her teacher, her friend, her leader, she meant to pour the oil on his head. Then she changed. She recalled all the times he had cared for her and for so many others who had been forgotten, ones without hope. Overcome by the greatness of his unconditional love, She began to weep. Instead of pouring the oil on his head, she poured it on his feet, feet that had walked in so many miles to spread a message of good news. Her tears mixed with the oil, and having no cloth, she wiped them with her hair. She did not care how anyone might judge her. She merely wished to give Jesus her love and gratitude. Extravagance moves both ways. It's reciprocal, both given and received by both God and his people. Sometimes God is the giver, at other times we are. At the wedding party in Cana, God provided a surplus of wine. At the dinner party in Bethany, Mary gave a gift of expensive perfume. Whether divine or human, given or received, These acts of reckless abundance are signs of what life is like when God is in our lives. In John 11, the last verse, we are told that we are near the Passover. And in today's gospel, we know that it is six days before the Passover. So we are reminded that Jesus has begun the countdown of his final days. The anointing of Jesus by a woman is one of the rare stories that's told in all four gospels. It was a powerful memory for the earliest believers. Jesus says in Matthew that her act was so singular that from that time forth, whenever this gospel is preached, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Matthew and Mark never name this person. They simply call her a woman. Luke describes her as a sinful woman. There's a long history of identifying the woman as Mary Magdalene. Although the Gospels never say this, John alone tells us that it was Mary, the sibling of Martha and Lazarus. Only Judas seems to have taken offense. He was a man driven by greed, a man interested in fattening his own pocket and doing what looks logical. Some think Judas betrayed Jesus because Jesus was not nearly zealot-like enough to foster the political revolution Judas and others were hoping. I'm sure in his eyes, warriors and leaders of revolutions didn't ever have expensive perfumed oil poured on them. They inspire fear, not weeping women washing their feet with affection. But that's the Lenten scandal, the scandal of the cross. Out of death comes life. Even as those who opposed Jesus scurried around to ensure his demise, Jesus harbored within him the mystery of the universe, the deep magic, as C.S. Lewis put it in his Narnia tales, that the path to life abundant comes not by gathering up and hoarding this world's treasures, but through forsaking all that is world values so that God can usher in a whole new kingdom. Well, what is the Spirit of God saying in this story of wild excess during the Lenten season of self-denial? Mary did more than she knew. Anointing Jesus was a gesture of personal devotion, but it was also a prophetic act. When she poured this perfume on my body, she prepared me for my burial. Jesus wasn't just a wandering sage or renegade rabbi. He's the anointed one. Anointed by Mary, yes, but especially by God. In Hebrew, he's the Messiah. She did what she could said Jesus. And that's what we do in our Lenten discipline. We do what we can. Mary's anointing didn't save Jesus from his tragic fate, nor will our Lenten practices solve our every problem. But with Mary, we do what we can. The writer and popular public speaker, Brene Brown, writes and talks about scarcity from a more psychological point of view. She says that we live in a culture of perceived scarcity, of never enough. Brene Brown describes me perfectly. I start off the morning thinking I didn't get enough sleep. I go through the day thinking I don't have enough time. And I fall asleep thinking I failed to accomplish enough tasks. Whatever we have, do, or get, it's never enough. That's the culture of scarcity. And then throughout the day, as we interact with others, we are painfully aware of what we're missing. Certain looks, intelligence, talent, luck, money, creativity, you name it. But here's the problem. Not only are all these comparisons discouraging and even debilitating, they distort and hide the tremendous gifts we have been given. Regardless of our culture of perceived scarcity or or our individual circumstances, we can all point to assets, blessings, and gifts to our lives. Yes, there are a million things we don't have, but there are a million things we do. If we can see through the right lens, we have all been given more than we can possibly ask or imagine. That lens is called gratitude. Gratitude. And it's a lens that amplifies everything good in our lives instead of causing it to shrink to insignificance. When we develop the mindset of abundance, we are both more grateful and more generous, even sometimes extravagant. Mary's act of extravagance was not for show. This is not a gaudy display of wealth. She's not trying to attract attention, nor is she wealthy. This is a spontaneous display of love. How else do you thank the person who brought your beloved brother back from death? How else do you prepare your beloved friend for the journey that will likely end in his own death? For what possible purpose are you saving your expensive perfume if not for this one? There's a time for counting the cost and there's a time for extravagance. Your good china won't be special if you used it every day, but if you never use it, then you're missing something. Extravagance is generosity when our giving is directed at the recipient, not pointing at ourselves. What do we make of the last quote from Jesus in this gospel passage? You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You can read much commentary on this statement when you look it up, However, I found this one by Lutheran minister, Reagan Humber, to hit home with me. What won't always be with you is the opportunity to see God in whatever and whomever stands in front of us right now. The kingdom of God is here. Right now in the moment when God can break our hearts, the love of God is the grace of now. That's what this whole season of Lent has been about. It is a season of learning to love. The question of love has been the unspoken question in the Sunday Gospels throughout this Lent. The temptations in the wilderness, the admonishment to repent, and the prodigal sons return home. Every one of those stories are about the choice to love or to not love. And they're made explicit in the images of Mary and Judas. As easy and tempting as it might be, we do ourselves no favor by condemning and dismissing Judas. Jesus didn't, so why would we? Judas is as much a part of us as Mary. Mary and Judas are images and prototypes of ways of being. Both live within us. Both teach us something about ourselves. Each of us can name situations when our own stuff, our baggage, and emotional agendas got in the way of our loving. I have had times of regret and disappointment. Times when my heart was asleep and I was less than I wanted to be. We could also all tell about those times when we bypassed efficiency and practicality ignored what made sense, didn't settle for just doing or saying the right thing, but chose instead to pour ourselves out on the life of another. We saw a greater need and a deeper reality. Our heart was awakened, and like Mary, we fragranced the entire world. Mary and Judas do teach us about ourselves and the choices we have made. They remind us that wherever we go, whoever we are with, whatever we are doing, there is a choice to be made. And this is a choice. Either we love generously or we do not. Either we are already engaged in providing for the poor or we are secretly hoarding what might otherwise be shared. As we journey to the end of Lent and look upon Jesus' last days in Jerusalem and his ultimate gift on the cross, May we be moved, just as Mary was, to give of ourselves, not out of fear or scarcity, but in free response to God's love and forgiveness. Amen.